Hello again, everyone. Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 13th day of September 2022. Happy Tuesday to you. I am the aforementioned Derek Hunter. I appreciate the use of your ears, my friends, my Romans, my countrymen. I shall endeavor to entertain and inform you for the next however long it takes, however much time I got. Yeah, uh, to all of the past winners, all the books have gone out except for one. I'm going to say a name again. I have no way to contact this person. I've tried through Patreon, and I've tried through message the messaging on Patreon, and I've tried through the uh, com- replying to comments on Patreon. If you are Philip Myers, check your messages at Patreon or email me. I need your address. I don't even remember. The envelope is sealed. I can't even remember what book you want. But you want a book. If you want to know which book you want, check your messages on Patreon. Because in there, it tells you which book you want. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast is where you go. We sign up. This week's contest is between Brad Thor and Billy Idol. Brad Thor, Billy. And Billy Idol's got an extra letter. But it is a rollicking contest. Who shall win? What's up to you, really? And also at DerekHunter.locals.com. Go check it out. Support the program, please. Uh, it's much appreciated, and Lord knows we got bills coming up, so every little bit helps. And uh, you, you get back. You get extra shows. You get all sorts. It's not one of those things that just give me money. This is, this is uh, supporting the program and getting you more entertainment and contests, and you win signed books. What more? Where else? Who else has given you signed books? All these other people who've actually other people who've written books too they don't even offer their own book well they will if you just buy it for like 40 bucks but now forget that win here support this show get a chance to win all right let's get on with the program we've got a lot of things going on a bunch of stuff to talk about today there is no and the vice when the vice president went like the top stories oh my goodness the vice president's daughter showed a breast at a fashion show now the real story is why did the vice president's stepdaughter, step, I should say, stepdaughter, because Kamala Harris does not have any children? Thank God. But uh, the real question is, why does the vice president's stepdaughter, unibrowed, hairy-armpitted, unattractive stepdaughter, have a modeling contract in the first place? That should be the question. And it's like, oh, because the fashion industry wanted to sort of pay her off. That's why. That's why. Anyway, like I say, there's a lot going on that does involve the Vice President of the United States. And uh, we will get to that. God, I, maybe Kamala Harris's job in the Biden administration appears to be to make everybody else in the Biden administration look better by comparison. Like, honest to God, I don't know what the deal is. I'll get into that in a second, but I just want to talk about how freaked out and how pathetic our media is when it comes to the former president of the United States. Donald Trump is apparently, or at least was apparently in Washington, D.C. I don't know which it is, and more importantly, I don't care which it is. Unless the former, like if he's going to lunch somewhere, I don't care. I don't care what he's doing. I don't care. I don't care what uh, the president is doing most of the time. 
I can't stand the current president. We were in Rehoboth Beach over the weekend, and at some point, I'm standing in line to buy something unnecessary for the kids. And in comes uh, Marine One and the decoy helicopter. They fly overhead on Saturdays. Like, is Joe coming to town? I don't know if he did or not, or what they were doing. All I just saw was taxpayer dollars flying overhead being set on fire by this idiot because he doesn't like to do the job. He just likes the trappings of the job. And so he's out wherever he is. And I'm just thinking, this guy is terrible. But I don't care what he's... The more he's not in the White House, the better off it is. Then he's just lying. Then he's just lying. He can't really do all that much damage. That means Congress isn't in session. That means nobody's out there really trying to screw us over. Not that dramatically anyway. So the more he's out of Washington, the better. Yes, he goes and gives stupid speeches like his his 9-11 anniversary speech was a stupid speech. He couldn't just, this is how awful Democrats are. This is how awful the Biden administration is. The anniversary of 9-11, Joe Biden goes and gives his speeches. He goes and makes his appearances and he does, and he makes his speeches about his campaign speech. He, he finds a way to weasel in all the themes of his campaign speech into the speeches commemorating the anniversary of the attack on 9-11, the 21st anniversary. Oh, it's a, a threat to democracy, and we still face threats to democracy. And just like, it's, just can't you not be a jackass for one day? Not even for one day, okay? You can go do something else, I suppose, later on in the day. It should be able, you should be able to do it for one day. Just not be a jackass for one day. And go, you know what, this day is about September 11th. This is a day about happened in 2001. Democrats don't want to you know, mark what happened in, in 2011. But th- these are things that could be and should be marked. But that's it. It shouldn't be. And uh, threats to democracy, both foreign and domestic, we still face these threats to democracy. They hate us because they they attacked us on September 11, 2001, because they hate democracy. No, that's not why they attacked us. They hate us. They hate us because we're not them. They hate us because we not only are not Muslim, but we are not their sect of Muslim. They're not their sect of Islam. It's that simple. They spend a lot of time, they kill a hell of a lot more Muslims than they do anybody else. And it's not because they're just really bad at aiming. It's because they're insane fanatics. They're like Democrats, but with the guts to act on it. Democrats are building up the guts to act on it, which is frightening. But they want to use the power of government, whereas radical Islam used the power of planes. Anyway... Joe Biden goes and gives a speech. Oh, that's, uh, we got to defend against this. Today we face the same threats against us. No, we don't. I can promise you right now that there is nobody who went on the selfie tour of the Capitol on January 6, 2021, who is going to hijack a plane of any size and ram it into where people are. I promise you that. They're very, very different. Three and a half hours of walking through the Capitol and around the Capitol. It wasn't even, nobody was in there for three and a half hours. And then they left. And then they left. They, they weren't defeated. They weren't forced out. They left. Now, for people who are like going, oh, my God, they're here to take over. 
How many people go, well, uh, where's the secret button to take over government? I don't know where it is. All right, well, then to hell with it. We tried. Let's go. Let's go to the Applebee's and have a good time now. That's not how real coups and real violent attempts work. Were there some people who were violent? Absolutely. Throw the book at them. I couldn't care less what you do to them. But everybody else, to paint everybody who was there as some sort of monster who was out to overthrow the government and hates democracy, is asinine. And to compare them to the 9-11 terrorists is beyond the pale. But that's Joe Biden. That's your Democratic Party, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, uh, Donald. back to Donald Trump. Donald Trump is in Washington or was in Washington this morning on Washington Journal or whatever the hell it's called on C-SPAN. The conspiracy theory was talked about. There's a lot of conspiracies. They can't quit Donald Trump. They can't come close to quitting Donald Trump. It is amazing to me. They always say, well, the MAGA people, they're obsessed with their dear leader. They'll follow him to the grave. And then what are these people? Do? I don't know. I don't know anybody who's obsessed with Donald Trump. I don't know anybody who lives and dies by him. I Frankly, I don't know anybody who goes on to uh, whatever his social media thing is, where, uh, what's it, what is it called? It's not Getter, it's uh, Truth Social. Where they're out there, and they're, oh, did you see what, Donald, the, what Truth, Donald, I mean, I know people who are on it, but they're, they're famous people and they're paid to be on it. They don't tell you that they're paid to be on it, but they're paid whenever they talk, because nobody's there. In any event, they're out there and they're going, oh, my goodness, can you believe these sorts of things? What is going on? Donald Trump showed up in Washington, D.C., and he's pulled off the golf course. And, oh, my goodness, golly gosh, something's going on. The Daily Beast wrote it up. They're all wildly speculating. Daily Beast yesterday or this morning, Donald Trump, still in golf shoes, flies unannounced back into D.C. But why? Well, who knows? Who cares? What does it matter? This is posted at 5.30 this morning. What would Donald Trump be doing flying into D.C.'s Dulles Airport on Sunday night, still in his golf shoes? The former president's unannounced and deliberately low-key return to the nation's capital was captured by YouTuber Andrew Layden and set off a flurry of social media speculation that Trump accused of stealing classified documents on his departure from office, was arriving to answer some kind of indictment. Quote, Trump in Washington, a thousand rumors rumble, no earthquake yet. Project Lincoln co-founder and pedophile enabler Rick Wilson tweeted, it's possible, of course, that Trump has come to play around at his Virginia golf course, although the weather forecast for Monday is of rain. Well, uh, Monday afternoon, it is rain, but, you know, Monday morning, who knows? He does have friends here. He does know people here. Could be all sorts of reasons why he came to Washington, D.C., but they just can't quit him. They just can't quit him. On C-SPAN's Washington Journal this morning, even the host... Now, normally the Washington Journal is and C-SPAN is just some guy sitting there trying to pretend not to be involved with anything staring at a camera as various callers call in the conservative line, the liberal line, the independent line, and they just sound off. Occasionally, the guy will chime in and say, no, 
there are not uh, lizard people living in the uh, living in the sewers or no 9/11 was not an inside job or whatever but for the most part they just sit there and play traffic cop well this guy couldn't bring himself to play traffic cop because Donald Trump damn it Donald Trump has entered Washington DC allegedly so this is this is the clip from this morning about this you mentioned uh, former President Donald Trump. Uh, a interesting story with uh, still no explanation exactly as to why uh, it happened last late last night uh, caused a lot of Twitter speculation. Donald Trump still in his golf shoes flies unannounced back into D.C. But the question is why the Daily Beast story uh, picking up on that the former president's unannounced and deliberately low key return to the nation's cap- capital was captured. Uh, by uh, YouTuber journalist Andrew Layden, and it set off a flurry of social media speculation uh, and the uh, plenty of rumors uh, about that. If uh, if more develops on exactly why the former president is back in Washington, his second it would it is his second visit to Washington D.C. since leaving office. Uh, we'll certainly keep you up to date. Whoa! Thank God. You know, let's get the Pulitzer people on. Uh... On the line, not, you know, not that their decision has been made yet, but the decision might be removed from their hands should somebody find out that Donald Trump went to five guys or something like that. Like, honest to God, the left is gone absolutely crazy. If you, the Trump, Trump is in D.C. is trending on Twitter. Now, granted, Twitter decides what trends on Twitter. It's not actually it's it's what's happening it's no longer what's trending because what's trending was far too often taken over by conservatives making fun of what liberals were trying to highlight and mocking them so they changed it and it's no longer an automatic algorithm that decides a lot of people are tweeting about this so therefore it's trending it is now a staffer dedicated sitting there going "Ooh, this this helps democrats so this is what's trending no matter how insignificant the number of people tweeting about it are but there is a lot of speculation about why it is donald trump is in dc is he being arrested is he being arrested is he being indicted is he meeting with the great what's going on this is amazing or is he going to Walter? this is what's pretty funny you think he's either in washington dc because he's going to get arrested or he's in washington dc because he's going to army read medical hospital for a checkup or there's something wrong with him which i don't know where he was i don't care where he was he's golfing somewhere he's living his life who cares uh but i'm pretty sure that wherever he was they have medical facilities right they would have medical facilities and if he was coming to washington dc to testify before a grand jury then would he not i don't know have changed his clothes from a golf outing if that's in fact what he was doing or golf shoes i'm looking at the video i don't know how maybe you can tell their golf shoes maybe he's just got white loafers on who the hell knows the point is right now the chattering class is frantically wildly speculating because donald trump got off a plane at dulles and got into a car wild speculation oh my goodness is this what this is is this what this what's going on here and they say what they say MAGA people are obsessed with Donald Trump MAGA the MAGA crowd is obsessed with their dear leader they do anything they follow every word he said 
Most people don't. Most people don't. Most people on a Saturday night, Monday or Sunday night, Monday morning, most people are getting ready for work, enjoying the last day of the weekend, whatever. Some dude's hanging out with his camera phone at the private jet area of Dulles on spec that somebody might show up. But it's MAGA who's pathetic and would follow this guy to the ends of the earth. I haven't actually seen, I haven't, granted I haven't gone hunting for it, but I haven't really seen many MAGA fans of Trump even tweeting about this. Most of them don't give a damn what he's doing in D.C. If he's going to dinner, he's going to golf, he's going to whatever he's doing, you know what? He's free to do it. It's the United States of America. When was the last time you saw, we've got uh, reports that Barack Obama is in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. We don't know what he's doing there. Is he there because he wants to buy a bunch of scorpions to maybe poison his wife? Or is he there for something else? Is he there to take a whole bunch of illegal aliens on his private jet back to uh, Martha's Vineyard? No, they'll never do that. But they never bother to tell you where he, oh, he's, he landed in town. Speculation is abound why he's there. Who cares? Get over yourselves. But it's MAGA who's obsessed. MAGA is the problem. MAGA will follow this guy to the ends of the earth. Well, there's one side that is literally following him everywhere he goes. And it it isn't the hard-working, blue-collar, red-hat-wearing guys in the Midwest. It's the people with the laminated photos of themselves that say press on them. Maybe some of them are even self-made, but whatever it is, they're doing it. What's funny is the C-SPAN guy said, uh, YouTube journalist. The Daily Beast didn't even bother calling him a journalist. He's just a, a YouTuber. But because he's got this massive scoop and all these various networks. Now, I guarantee you, because you, if you film something and CNN wants to use it or MSNBC wants to use it, they have to get your permission. Even if you posted it online, which doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. If you post it up for the world to see, you know, then the world should be able to see it. But uh, if they want to play it on their, their television shows, they've got to pay you for it. They've got to get your permission and, well, they don't have to pay you. They can just get your permission and you can do it. If, uh, if you don't give them permission, you can sell them the rights to use it. Not to have it forever, but to use it. And you can make fifty, dollars $100,000 for this. This 8-second or 11-second clip or whatever the hell it is. Probably going to net this guy a ton of money. Media will pay for it. A ton of money. If you see this on cable TV, that means a media outlet paid for it. And remember, they're telling you that it's Republicans who are obsessed with Trump while they're paying a ton of money for an 11-second clip that they have no context for and they have no idea what's going on. Who's obsessed? Now I want to shift to our, uh, our idiot vice president. It is entirely possible, nay, probable, I've speculated about this before, but um, every time there's new evidence added to the pile, I think that it's worthy of re-exploration. When Kamala Harris was chosen as Joe Biden's vice presidential running mate, what did the left do? They immediately stood up and applauded and said, oh my goodness, she's so historic. This is historic. The first woman, the first black woman, the first... Asian woman, like they found everything. The first woman who did, well, then you said, hey, how about the first descendant from um, a massive Caribbean slave owner? 
No, you can't say that because it's true. Her uh, black family from the Caribbean, her father is a descendant of one of the biggest slave owners and slave traders in the Caribbean. But they don't talk about that. It's collective guilt, and then there's Democrats. They don't they don't suffer from collective guilt. Now, if she steps out of line, if she don't worry, she's not going to. But it, were she ever to, I don't know, wise up um, and start thinking for herself and realize the destructive nature of progressive policies and be bothered by it. It's that second part that's important because most progressives understand that their policies are destructive but they need to destroy in order to quote-unquote rebuild and replace. So they don't really care that it's destructive. So if she notices that it's destructive and cares, then they might say, well, what do you expect from a, a somebody who's a descendant of a slave owner? But otherwise, they're going to leave her alone and keep cheering. She was on Meet the Press over the weekend. And it's kind of funny because... Meet the Press has become so bad, so pathetic. It's not even, it's not even worth watching anymore. And I can't. I Chuck Todd has killed a once venerable institution because all he does is suck up to leftists and try to smear conservatives. That's it. That's what he does. That's who he is. So what do you get with this? You get Kamala Harris on there. Now, remember, she's in charge of the border, right? She's down there making sure that the border is secure. She's down there taking care of the sources of blah, 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 and yakety smackety. Nothing has happened. Two million people cross the border. Illegal aliens pouring in. They're shipping them up to D.C. and New York, and they're setting their hair on fire because a few hundred have shown up. Like, we can't handle this. We need the National Guard. We need... Well, what do you think El Paso, Texas is supposed to do when they're getting, I don't know, several thousand a day? What are, what are they supposed to do? It's different. Open borders are good. Uh, immigration is just sweet, nourishing migrants. But stop sending them here. God, we hate them. Anyway, Kamala Harris was asked about the border, surprisingly. Not in any serious way, because there's the only follow-up is Chuck Todd not believing the BS coming out of Kamala Harris. He gives her a second. It's not a serious question because he could go at her with statistics, some real facts. He could go back at her time and time again and say, but you've done nothing. The president has never even been to the southern border throughout his entire career. Why? Doesn't he like to be near brown people? What's going on? But he does nothing of that because Kamala Harris claims that the border is secure. Now, when Kamala Harris says that the border is secure, even Chuck Todd, as much as he would like to, and as much as he would love to turn this into an attack against Republicans, he can't. But he also can't go, what the hell are you talking about? The border is secure. There's two million. So he circles back and very gently says, the border is uh, not secure because there's two million people coming. That's about it. That was the extent of it. And Kamala Harris goes on to blame Republicans for it, blame the Trump administration. That's what's hilarious about this, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let us listen to the initial thing that started this whole ball rolling. Would you call the border secure? I think that there is no question that we have to do what the president and I asked Congress to do. Is the first request we made, pass a bill to create a pathway to citizenship. The border is secure. 
But we also have a broken immigration system, in particular over the last four years before we came in, and it needs to be fixed. The border is not secure. The border is not anywhere near secure. And Chuck Todd does come back in the next clip and, and says, well, the border is not secure. The border is not secure. But the idea, the first thing we did, we, well, Congress needs to come and give us what we want. There are laws on the books right now that would secure that border. There are laws on the books that the Biden administration has fought tooth and nail to not enforce that could secure that border. In fact, anybody who is trying to instore even order, forget security, but order on the border has found themselves facing the wrath of the Democrat machine. Think of those Border Patrol agents on horseback. They weren't whipping anybody. They were using their horses in a Western style for riding in close quarters and control. They didn't hurt anybody. They didn't hit anybody. They didn't do anything to anybody. And they were accused of being old slave trading, whipping white guys, hitting the brown people. And when that turned out to be complete BS, did the Biden administration do a mea culpa? No, Democrats never do a mea culpa. Did the Biden administration go, all right, well, we were wrong about that. We're not going to eat a plate of crow, but um, we're never going to talk about it again. No, they didn't do that either. They started twisting things in a way to try and accuse those Border Patrol agents, those mounted Border Patrol agents, of acting inappropriately anyway, even though they were not, and uh, suspending them, putting a pockmark on their record, probably preventing them from getting future promotions. Why? Because they made Democrats, well, no. Democrats made Democrats look bad. They were just the spark for it. It's how sick these people are. So they uh, they don't give a damn about the truth. There's no need for comprehensive immigration reform. You could buy a brand new car, and you know what? That car works, and oh man, the engine hums. Open up the hood. Cut some wires. Pull some things. Take in a socket set and just start taking some stuff apart. Not the whole thing. Not anywhere close to the whole thing. Remove 10 bolts randomly. Cut three wires randomly and see how that car runs. Now, do you need comprehension internal combustion engine reform? No. You need to fix what's broken. The rest of the the engine actually works fine if you didn't mess it up. Put the bolts back in, fix the wires or replace the wires, and that thing will work again. Now, in the case of immigration, it is they are refusing to deport people. They are refusing to turn people away. They are refusing to physically secure the border in any way, shape, or form. Instead, they're letting everybody in that they possibly can because they know that they'll vote for Democrats overwhelmingly, or they think they will, in the future. Oh, that's the racist great replacement theory. Democrats used to brag about that not that long ago. It only became racist when Republicans started pointing it out and saying, hey, that's, that's pretty sick. Oh, no, you're racist for pointing that out. I'm racist for quoting Chuck Schumer's op-ed. I'm racist for quoting the New York Times opinion pages. That's an interesting take. All right, congratulations. But this is who Democrats are. We need comprehensive, we need a pathway to citizenship. Why? Why? These people 
do not deserve a pathway, pathway to citizenship. Oh, how can you say that? Well, because their first act in coming in this country was to do so illegally. There is a pathway to citizenship. It is through the legal process. Period. End of story. I know there are a bunch of squish Republicans, the Lindsey Grahams of the world, going, oh, well, we need these uh, people out there. Oh, we need them in there. We just can't. It would just be wrong not to give them citizenship. Well, no, it wouldn't. But I also don't care. Oh, how can you be so mean? Pretty easily. I, I look at it, and I don't let my emotions get involved. I look at it and think, hmm. What logically is going on here? These people cut the line. These people broke the law. These people stole identities to work here. These people are a drain on the system. They've been here many cases. Many of them have been here for a very long time. Oh, don't you care? They're the only countries. Ever- I don't care. I don't care. Um, my question is, you know, and it goes back to the guy who won the mega jackpot, couple hundred million dollars. I don't know, it's got to be 15 years ago now. He'd been in the country. He was in New Jersey. He'd been in the country since 1987 when he came to the United States. He was, I believe he came legally or he was granted amnesty in the Reagan amnesty. Whatever the case, he'd been here that long and he did not speak English. At his press conference for having won the lottery in New Jersey, he did not, he needed a translator. Now, he's going to obviously not be a drag on society. But how many of these illegal aliens have been here for a very long time who have not bothered to learn to speak English? You've been to sections of town where English isn't spoken. It's not a slam against Spanish speakers. But let's be honest. If you want to get ahead in this country, if you want to become a productive member of society, and I'm not saying, oh, have a job. You can have a job when you don't speak English. You'll be exploited at that job, usually by some left-winger, but you'll be exploited at that job because what are they going to do? What are you going to do? Hey, uh, you worked hard, but uh, I know we agreed to $5 an hour, but I'm only going to give you $3 an hour. Times are tough. $3 an hour this week. Here's the number for the police if you want to call the police, and uh, good luck to you, um, illegal alien, because here's also the number for ICE, and I'll call and turn you in. That's less of a threat now. You can actually probably get, you can probably get in more trouble being in this country working illegally than you can muling, you know, fentanyl across the southern border, to be honest with you. But if you don't understand, you don't understand the language, who are you going to call anyway? And how are you going to call anybody? And if you have the threat and you don't understand that Democrats aren't going to enforce the laws... Your boss says, what are you going to do? I'll turn you in. I'll get you deported. You're going to believe them. So essentially, you've created a permanent underclass, almost a slave level group of people who work in wealthy, white, left-wing neighborhoods. They let them work there. They don't let them stay there. They'll never allow, say, uh, low-income housing to be built there. Chevy Chase, Maryland, they'll come in and clean the houses. Potomac, Maryland, they'll come in and clean the houses and cut the lawn. They'll take care of the kids. But they say, hey, we're going to, at this big vacant lot here or whatever, the city owns this property, we're going to build a 200-unit public ha- No, you're not. No, you are not. Not in my backyard. 
So, yes, forgive me if I don't care that people who do not add to the economy of the United States what they take out of it. A net loss. Oh, Derek, how can you say that? Well, it costs tens of thousands of dollars more to educate a child who doesn't speak English because teaching them to speak English is now frowned upon by the left. Putting them in an accelerated language immersion course is now frowned upon by the left. Why? Because you're committing cultural genocide. You're robbing them of their language. I don't... Do they? If they're going to be in this country, if you can't communicate, you'll never excel. Democrats don't want people to excel. They can explain in Spanish language pamphlets which Democrats to vote for. And that's all they really give a damn about. A permanent underclass. Hey, we're giving you money every month to keep you afloat. You vote for these people and we'll keep that money flowing. Rather than, here's how you get ahead. Good luck. It's a democratic progressive way. So tell me you need immigration reform that involves a pathway to citizenship. You lose me right away because I don't care. I'm a mean SOB. I get it. I just don't care. I honestly look at this and I go, don't, what you want these people? To, what I want these people to do is go home. What I want these people to do is go home and then go through the process. If they're worthy, personally, I would not let anybody get citizenship who came to this country illegally, ever under any circumstances. If somebody's a, an illegal alien anchor baby in this country, I would strip the anchor status away. You get the citizenship fine. That fight for another day. But there is no you bringing other people with you. But if you move to the United States, won't you miss your parents? Yeah. And if you're going to miss your parents so much that uh, you have to have them with you, don't move to the United States. Okay, they broke the law. What about your aunts and uncles and your brothers? If you miss them so much that you can't function as a human being, go back to them. Doesn't matter where you are. If you're from London and you miss your family, they don't get to come over. I'm not interested in that. What do they bring into the table? Nothing. You miss them, go back home. Or travel back and forth. Or video chat. Or do all sorts of things. There are all sorts of Americans right now who are separated from their families because they're in prison, because they broke the law. We don't let, well, Democrats would love to let violent criminals out. Look at Frankenstein up in Pennsylvania. He wants to get rid of one-third of the prison population. But we don't do it. And we don't say, well, yeah, he did kill that girl, but he's got kids. And do we really want a kid growing up without a father? Well, without a father who kills girls, yeah, I think that's probably a good way to go. Or, you know, do we really want these just drug dealers' kids to grow up without a drug dealer father? Yeah, I do. I do. I think you get that kid away from there because I'm going to go out on a limb here. If the father's a killer or the father's a drug dealer or really sort of any kind of criminal, probably not a super good dad. I know in the movies we have these characters who are like, yes, he's a violent goon and he's out stealing every day, but he comes home and he loves his kids. He just loves his kids. That's not the way reality works. It'd be the rare, rare exception. That is not the way reality works. And that's what this whole issue needs is a little bit of freaking reality where you're looking at the immigration system and you go, I don't I don't care that the immigration system, even in the perverted way Democrats aren't enforcing the laws, aren't working for the illegal aliens. I don't care. Get out. <gasps> so mean. So what? 
I really do love these people. Like, well, the immigration system is broken. Well, the immigration system is broken. No, you're only you're ignoring half of it or more than half of it. You're ignoring the actual mechanisms of enforcement of our immigration system. So what do you think is going to happen? Nobody's going to nobody's going to go, oh, gee, I don't want to drop 10 grand on a human muling company only to get up there and get caught and then sent back to Ecuador. I don't want to do that. That would be uh, a waste of that money. That would be a waste of time. It would be horrible or even have that prospect. But now everybody's going, I'll do it because there's no threat of being deported. Hell, you got the president of the United States during the campaign or shortly thereafter, whatever it was, saying that he doesn't want to deport anybody unless they're guilty of a violent offense. No illegal aliens are going to be deported under any circumstances unless they're convicted of, and they've got to be convicted of, a violent offense. And oh, by the way, he doesn't consider drunk driving a violent offense. Now, he was asked specifically, but what if he kills somebody? What if that illegal alien kills somebody? But uh, you can imagine that that would be violence committed by the automobile, not committed by the sweet, 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 nourishing illegal alien. So they get to stay. Now, I can see why Joe would be in favor of leniency for drunk drivers. Have you met his son, Hunter? Have you seen what the guy does? Do you really believe that uh, a crack-smoking lunatic who frequents call girls and prostitutes and engages in human trafficking, the end result of human trafficking, which is amazing to me that somehow that has never been an issue. Occasionally they pay lip service in the liberal media about, oh, you know, these human smugglers and the sex trafficking of people. It's so terrible at the southern border. Usually when there's a Republican president, not so much when there's a Democrat, but when you got the president of the United States kid, videotaping clearly trafficked sex workers and you just ignore it you just ignore well you know we don't know if this laptop is him what do you mean you don't know if that's him right there smoking the crack talking to the prostitute it's not some third party thing there's no fake recording of oh we can put new faces on this this is a deep fake no It's Hunter Biden. He's pretty much admitted that it's him. Everybody around him has admitted it's him. It's amazing to me is that Hunter still has a job. Hunter still finds a way to bring in enough money to keep daddy loving him. And nobody sits there and goes, you know what? Uh, I was going to do a big business deal with Hunter Biden because of whatever he brought. He He somehow brought something to the table, whatever it was. But then I saw a video of him smoking crack with prostitutes. And it's not that long ago. So I'm going to pump the brakes or at least take my foot off the gas on this deal. Nobody's doing that, which means that they're not trying to go into business with Hunter Biden. They are looking to curry favor with Joe Biden. That's it. He's the only Biden who worth, worth a damn who has anything worthy of selling. Hunter's knowledge base isn't any good. Joe's degenerate brother doesn't bring anything to the table. Jill Biden, you know, needs to wear Velcro shoes because she doesn't know how to tie a knot. Ashley Biden is still out there trying to recover from inappropriate showers and the things she accused her father of doing to her. Hunter's all they got. If you want an in, unless, of course, 
you manage to meet with Joe when he goes back to Delaware. You wonder why Joe goes to Delaware so often. Do you think, does he not like the White House? No, there are visitors' logs at the White House that can't be waived at the White House. That's the drag about being at the White House, is there are certain protocols and things that must be made. See, that's government property. If you go on government property, the government has to know who you are. They get to keep that record. They have to keep that record, as a matter of fact. Whereas if you go to Joe Biden's mansions, any of them in Delaware, the White House refuses to keep visitors' logs of who's meeting with the president, which means if you're a lobbyist, you can go there and you don't have to worry about being exposed. It used to be under the Biden administ- or the Obama administration, they, didn't, they weren't that brazen. They were. They instituted the law that said, or the rule that said, "We will not meet with lobbyists. No lobbyists." And the left said, "Oh, he's so wonderful. He's not meeting with lobbyists." And then what did they do? They said, "Check the visitors' log for the White House. No lobbyists come in whatsoever, unless they're chastised by the president publicly, meaning they're human props. Otherwise, they're not let into the White House. We don't meet with lobbyists." And then we found out that a whole bunch of White House staffers during the Obama administration were using their personal email accounts to email with lobbyists because he didn't want it messing up your uh, showing up on your your work emails and uh, emailing lobbyists through their personal Gmail accounts to set up meetings at Starbucks is in restaurants around the White House. Say we don't want to meet with you stinking lobbyists anywhere where there could be a possible record of it. Uh, but they took the money, they took the meetings, they took the influence, they took everything. The only thing that changed was the venue, and they just lied about it. That's how Democrats work. Anyway, back to Kamala. After uh, Joe Biden, or not Joe Biden, after Chuck Todd asked her, you know, is the border secure? And she said, I think there's no question, it, blah, 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 blah. Even Chuck Todd sitting there going, my God. Two million people crossed. How bad? What's wrong with you? How can you say the border's secure? Maybe he didn't say it so exasperatedly, but uh, he said it. We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border's secure? We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. <laughs> I'm going to read that to you. It's not going to make any more sense, but I just want you to hear the words. <clears throat> first of all, Chuck Tess said, we're going to have two million people cross the border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure? And she says, we have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. And what deterioration happened over the last four years? They actually secured the border. They actually deported people. They actually had the caravans go, I'm not going to go because if I spend ten grand and I get kicked out or kicked back, I'm not getting a refund from these human smugglers. So I'm not going to go. That's what happened in the last four years. So what does she consider deterioration? She doesn't say. 
tens. But that is, what does that mean? That that word salad literally means nothing. It means nothing. You have a secure, you really think we have a secure border? We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix. It's a da or nyet question, comrade. So then what are these problems she has to fix that we have to fix before? Because, you know, you're the ones refusing to enforce the laws at the southern border. So she goes on to try and dig her way out of this hole. Now, Chuck Todd doesn't have any follow-ups to this because Chuck Todd is worthless. But uh, she did enough damage on her own. We also have to put in place a, 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 a law and a plan for a pathway for citizenship, for the millions of people who are here and are prepared to do what is legally required to gain citizenship. We don't have that in place because people are playing politics in a state like this and in Congress. On, By the way, you want to talk about bipartisanship on an issue that at one time was a bipartisan issue. No, it's not a bipartisan issue. It's a, she's in Texas, by the way, when she says a state like this. I'll read that part to you, too, from the transcript. We also have... Let's see if I can plug my nose up. We also have to put in place a plan, uh, a law and a plan for a pathway to citizenship for the millions of people who are here and are prepared to do what is legally required to gain citizenship. No, they're not. What's legally required to gain citizenship is to not enter the country illegally. What's legally required to gain citizenship is to go through the legal process, to go to your um, the embassy in your country and apply for it. Oh, no, that, that takes too long. Maybe. We can talk about how maybe that takes too long. I don't really give a damn, but uh, there is a process, and there are people going through that process right now. There really are people going through that process. Why should you get cuts? Why should you get cuts? Why should you get any consideration whatsoever? Why should you be allowed in, period? You shouldn't be. We have to. They're ready to do everything that is legally required to get... Okay, well then... uh, Go back home and go through the process. What? No, no, no. You know how long it would take to get them to vote if we did that? Hmm. Weird. How about this? Okay, you can have citizenship, but you can never vote. You can never vote, uh, period. End of story. What? No, no, no. No, no, that's the, that's the price you pay. If it's about luring people out of the shadows, that's what Democrats always say. These people are living in the shadows. Do we really want them living in the shadows? They don't seem to be living in the shadows. They're right out there screaming left and right. They're getting government benefits. They're getting photo ID. That, if that ain't the... You don't have to wear sunscreen in the shadow. Right? It, it's weird how that works. That These people are out there, bright as day, they have marches, they have parades, they they proudly proclaim their status on t-shirts and signs that they take to rallies. They, oh, they're living in the shadows. That ain't the shadows. That ain't the sh- I don't know if you know what the shadows are, but that is not the shadows. There are signs on buses and on billboards saying, if you're going to get deported, blah, 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 here in this country, call us. And we'll, That is not the shadows. 
this idea that, oh, we need it. It used to be bipartisan. Yeah, there you can have Lindsey Graham. You can have Lindsey Graham. You got some, some Republicans. You sure do. You don't have the majority of the American people. Unless you phrase it in a way, do you support the idea of ripping families apart and putting them on trebuchets and launching them into shark-infested, fully-chummed waters? No, you don't? You think people should be allowed to stay in the country? Okay, yeah. You explain the situation to people, and they don't like it. You try to appeal to their emotions and saying, oh, would you think that people who've lived in this country for decades and have established roots should be allowed to do this, that, and the other thing? Well, of course they should. That's so emotional, because the alternative is what? You're a monster. You're some kind of monster. Why do you want to rip families apart? I don't want to rip families apart. I want to reunite families. I want to reunite the sweet, sweet, nourishing, illegal alien in this country with their family back home and wherever the hell they're from. All right? That's who I want to do. That's what I want to reunite. And then I want to set up an interview process. You want to invite more legal immigrants into the country? Absolutely. I am down with that. Solidarity, my brother. Down with the struggle. But in the process of deciding who gets to come in and who doesn't get to come in, there's one question I want asked, really. And after, aside from, you know, like, do you have a criminal record and being able to prove that you're not a degenerate, this would be the only question I'd want to ask, and it's a pretty simple one. What do you bring into the table? What do we get out of having you come to the United States? If the answer is really good feelings because you don't want to live in the hellhole, where you, uh, I'm sorry, you're out. If you don't bring some kind of skill, some kind of ability, or yes, some kind of pile of money to invest, there are ways to circumvent the lines, and it's if you bring a bunch of money, um, then you don't get in. If you can't speak the language, you don't get in. Take that $10,000 you're willing to spend on uh, coyotes, the human smuggling cartels, the drug cartels. Break off about 500 of that and take some English language courses. Become proficient in the language. You know what that does? That shows me that you actually want to participate in society. You should be able to do that in just a couple of months. You should just be able to do that in just a couple of months. And then you should be fine. As somebody who once lived in Dearborn, Michigan for five years and watched people take the driving test in Arabic, I remember thinking, huh, I don't remember seeing street signs in Arabic. That's weird. I don't remember seeing anything in Arabic, but we had to do it because it was too inclusive. Well, how about you come to this country, and these are people, these are women usually taking the tests, who had been in this country for a while but probably had not been... Uh, allowed an education in their home countries, to say the least. Uh, maybe you learn the language, and then you get to enjoy things once you're able to communicate with people. But if you want to come here to immigrate to this country, you don't get to come here and then move to an enclave where your native tongue is spoken and just be able to tread water there. No, we want to be able to uh, get something out of it having to pay a ton more for your kid's education because you couldn't bother to learn the language and your kid teach the kids the language isn't getting anything out of it. Every illegal alien is a drag on society. How can you say that? Because I understand economics. 
I understand that somebody standing outside a Home Depot in this country illegally willing to work for 10 bucks an hour or 5 bucks an hour or whatever it ends up being, 50 bucks a job, that'll help them pay their rent. That'll help them get their food. That doesn't really help society. They're not paying taxes, but their kids are going to school, so they're draining on society. And that's just the beginning. All the food stamps and welfare and everything else that illegal aliens qualify for. You're beginning to see a problem here? Democrats don't see a problem. They see an opportunity. Period. End of story. When you look at the situation where you're, you're sitting there and you're going, why do Democrats want so Why do these politicians, why do the Lindsey Grahams want so many people in there? It's replacement theory. Oh, replacement theory is racist. That's, that's part of it. It's not racist. It's just true. It's, it's what Democrats have told you that they wanted. It's that they told you. They, they were flat out about it. They didn't sit around and deny it. They told you, we can just uh, replace you. We can get uh, people to vote for us, get new people to come in and vote for us. But there is also... The reality that in we're looking at a government that exists on credit and on the promise. Our credit is garbage, but we exist on the promise of credit. We exist with a lot of promises. We're going to pay this. We're going to pay that. We're going to pay the other thing. One of the biggest promises is the biggest Ponzi scheme in all of human history. It's Social Security. And Medicare, but uh, Social Security is truly a Ponzi scheme. There was something like 30, uh, somewhere between 30 and 40 working people per retirees when Social Security was created under FDR. So it made it really easy. You got, let's just use raw numbers. You got 30 people working for every one person. So 30 people, you take $1 from 30 people. And you give it to one retiree. It's thirty dollars. Now that retiree, and live. And I know I'm using numbers to illustrate the point, not to uh, be accurate in as far as the cost of living back in the thirties. You give them thirty dollars, they're doing okay. They've got thirty dollars, and it only cost a dollar from thirty people. They probably didn't even notice that money was gone. And oh, by the way, you're promising to give them back that dollar along with a whole bunch of other dollars in the future. So it's not even really as though that money's being taken from them. That money's being borrowed, and it will be returned with interest to you. And don't worry. You buy this stock, it'll go up. and you, It's a Ponzi scheme. You buy this stock, it'll go up. I promise you. I promise you, oh, my portfolio is going way up, and it's not. But you're being paid off. You're paying off the old people with the money from the new people. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right now, I believe it's just less than three working people per retiree, which is a big difference from the number of 30, just using the number of 30. If you wanted to maintain the same level of benefit that you were giving, by the way, the people who are now receiving the benefits are the people who were taken, had that dollar taken from them. Now they're expecting their $30, but they're not expecting $30. They're expecting $120 or whatever. But instead, we'll just keep it at 30. We'll pretend there's been no inflation over the past 70 years. To get them that $30 from those three workers, you need to take $10 from them. Well, if there's no inflation, that $10 is a, is a hardship. That $10 is a hardship. 
the person getting it to still get their thirty dollars. I go, here's the thirty dollars. This is great. Here's the benefit. Here's the thirty dollars you were promised. But the people losing ten are kind of getting screwed. Even though the promise still continues, it's amazing government still continues this promise that don't worry, we'll give you this money back. We'll give you this money back when you retire. It's it's not even we're not ta- what we're doing is we're taking your money and we're putting it in an account in uh, I think it's suburban Maryland, if I remember, live free or die hard properly. Um, it, we're, we'll put it into an account and it's it's growing interest. And we, when you're 67 years old, we will uh, start cutting you a check. Don't worry about it. But in reality, it's just a straight-up wealth transfer. It's just a straight-up wealth transfer. Well, the problem is that it's going down to soon it will be two workers per retiree. Then what are you going to do? You've got to take 15 bucks a piece from both of them again if there's no inflation. We all know that there's inflation, and we know that Social Security recipients receive more than 30 bucks. So you have to get more. And we're actually headed towards Italy right now. See, population replacement is two people get married and they have two kids. That is maintaining a flat line, right? Two people get married, they have two kids. I'm guilty of that. I get married, we have two kids. What you really need is the family I came from. Two people get married, they have five kids. Two people get married, they have five kids. That means that those two people then sent five people out into the workforce to pay taxes. Five people working in the workforce is much easier to uh, replacing two people in the workforce. In my family's case, one, because my mother didn't work, um, is, is a much easier way to sustain that Ponzi scheme. So as you're looking at place like Italy where there is uh, the replacement rate is below one, meaning two people get married and uh, two out of three couples have one kid and the other couple doesn't have any kids. So you got six people and you're replacing them with two or they have two kids, whatever. You're replacing them six people with five or six people with four. The social welfare system over in Europe is even less stable because it's the payouts are much much bigger it's a way of life over there social security is semi-manageable and they'll they'll soon be saying we need to raise the retirement age on social security to 69 or something they raise it from 65 to 67 they'll soon be need to raise it life it makes sense in a certain way life expectancy is increasing uh, well actually right now uh, thanks to fentanyl it is decreasing, but in general, the survivability rate over age 60 is increasing. That's really how you measure life expectancy. Is life expectancy past a certain rate? And the reason other countries have higher life expectancy than the U.S. I saw something over the last week of somebody some saying the U.S. life expectancy is dropping. We're now like below 30 in the, in the list of countries of this because the U.S. sucks and because we don't have socialized medicine has nothing to do with that. It has to do with drug overdoses, which Democrats don't seem to give a damn about. And it also has to do with most other countries. Every country calculates their own life expectancy, by and large, because they're the only ones with access to the data. And some countries choose not to include infant mortality. Some countries choose not to include 
people under a certain age who die from complications. You live for a year with some sort of birth defect or whatever, and then die. they just don't count that. We count all of it. So if we got rid of that, we, our life expectancy would go up. What you really want to look at is the survivability over age 60 or or over age 70 or whatever it is, how long people live after a certain age, not up to a certain age, because the units of measure are completely different. Anyway, Social Security being a Ponzi scheme is a massive, massive problem. And the population rate, thanks to, and here's where we get into the political aspect of it, thanks to abortion. If you're looking at a country with 50 million people who were never born, even if you don't care morally about abortion or whatever, you're indifferent towards the prospect, you take 50 million people out of the population, that's going to be a problem. Those 50 million people would have kept that retiree-to-worker ratio up significantly. Well, Democrats, politicians, should be encouraging people to have children. It helps perpetuate the population. It also helps pay the bills in the future. But the Democratic Party is such a slave organization to the abortion industry that they can't that they can't. They actually would rather have an abortion than a birth. And then import the replacement. It's not to say replace because of the vote, replace because of headcount, replace because somebody's got to pay the bills. At a certain point, when everybody retires, there's got to be somebody paying the bills. When the replace, when the retirement to worker ratio goes to one to one or below, we're done. We're done. We could breed our way out of it. We should have been breeding our way out of it. That's how societies flourish. We should have never actually gotten into it where you have this system, but you can thank FDR, you can thank progressive Democrats and socialism for that. But now that we're in it, until we can look at people in the eye and say, we're going to have to get rid of this thing. It's not sustainable. It never should have happened. You've had a cushion for a long time. Everybody on it or close to it, you can keep it. But in the future, it's got to go the way of the dodo. You better make other plans. Until you start talking to people like they're adults and saying, you're going to have to make plans for yourself somehow and live accordingly. Until then, well, there's no votes in that. So we're never going to get to that point anyway. We're just screwed six ways from Sunday in a massive Ponzi scheme. And I think part of the Democrats, uh, what they view as a pathway out of their unwillingness to admit reality is to import as many people as possible. Still encourage abortion left and right because that's their honeypot. They've got Democrats conditioned to believe that that is the pathway to freedom. And having kids is yucky. And no, 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 being responsible is a bridge too far. And they give hundreds of millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood every year, which in turn gives tens of millions of dollars to Democrats every year. It's the circle of life. They're not about to give that up. So they need to find another way to get the head count. And it's simply open up the southern border is the easiest way to do it. Sorry, but no. Hell no. Want to shift gears here a little? Well, while we're talking about illegal aliens, let's first listen to uh, Brianne Nadeau. She's a member of the uh, 
D.C. City Council. And it's kind of funny. And this just tells you, if you aren't one of them, this lets you know how Democrats view you. It is, they hold you in contempt. They really don't like you. Obey or be them. If you obey, you're good. You're okay. You're passable. They won't invite you over to their house for dinner. But as long as you're obedient, they also won't send the cops over to your house for dinner. If you know what I mean, they're a little Gestapo. You, the, if you obey, the odds of your house being raided by Joe Biden's FBI go down exponentially. If you think for yourself, if you disapprove of the administration or what Democrats consider to be important or justice, you will. Uh, you might just get a knock on your door at five o'clock in the morning and a CNN camera crew that miraculously just knew that it was going to happen. There was no tipping off. It's not. They don't. They weren't tipped off. They just. They always park down the street from everybody's house. It's just how it works. But if you are one of the good ones, if you are a Democrat in good standing, boy, howdy, the sky's the limit, and you can openly hold the rest of the country in absolute contempt, and everybody be cool with it when you say it. Now, in this uh, in this clip, D.C. City Councilwoman uh, Brianne Nadeau says that, uh, complains about how the governors of Texas and Arizona, by shipping illegal aliens who want to come to Washington, D.C., by giving them bus tickets and sending them on their way to Washington, D.C., that uh, they've made Washington, D.C. a border town. There is contempt in that term. They've made us into a border town. But what about the border towns that you and your left-wing open border policies have made border towns into? What about that mess? Do you not you don't care about that because it's an abstract? Now, City Councilwoman Brianne Nadeau has been all over social media in the past, not now, but in the past, talking about how Washington, D.C. will always remain a sanctuary city. It's a lovely, lovely place and the sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens are better than you anyway, so just shut up and pay for their health care, pay for their education, pay for their housing, pay for their food. Oh, they're just a boon to the economy, aren't they? That is a weird thing about uh, the illegal alien population and Democrats. They're fighting to make sure that government pays for just about everything in their existence. And then what do Democrats turn around and say, oh, they're a boon to the economy? They're a boon to the economy? If you've got to put them up in public housing, if you've got to give them subsidies for food, if you've got to spend an extra ton of money on education and you pick up the cost of their health care, how, unless they're starting up a new Facebook every single day and adding billions of dollars to the economy somehow, how in the hell are they a boom to the economy? They're not. It doesn't make any sense. But then again, you don't have to make sense if you're a Democrat. But uh, listen to City Councilwoman Brianne uh, Nadeau talk about the sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens turning poor Washington, D.C. into a border town. So it's been said, but it's worth reiterating that the governors of Texas and Arizona have created this crisis and the federal government has not stepped up to assist the District of Columbia. So we, um, along with our regional partners, will do what we've always done. We'll rise to the occasion. 
We've learned from border towns like El Paso and Brownsville. Um, and in many ways, the governors of Texas and Arizona have turned us into a border town. It turned us into a border town. We've learned from the, like El Paso and Brownsville. Yeah. There's a lot more towns along the southern border. They're being overrun because you Democrats have invited the third world to play Red Rover at the southern border. But, hey, you know what? You're sitting there after a few thousand illegal aliens show up in Washington, D.C. Just a few. Not even one day's worth of illegal aliens, by the way, in the southern border have shown up. And you're demanding that the National Guard be brought up. You need the National Guard. The federal government needs to help us. Please, for the love of God, the federal government has to step up, not only send in the National Guard because the president has to call in the National Guard in Washington, D.C., but we also need money to take care of them. They're overwhelming our resources. Well, this is what you want. I thought they were a boom to the economy. Should not Washington, D.C. and New York be sitting there going, please send us more? Why, our economies will be booming for generations to come if we just get more and more sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens. It's weird how uh, that isn't the case, isn't it? It's almost like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like they're lying. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. It's almost like they're lying. Speaking of law, well, where do we want to go? Uh, you know what? Let's we'll come back to Kamala Harris. We'll go to Karine Jean Pierre. She is the White House spokesmodel. She's just got. She is the worst press secretary ever, ever. She is really unbelievable at this. Everything you're about to hear, she's she. You can tell when she's reading from her little binder. She needs that binder, man. She needs that binder. I've never seen anybody so devoid of original thought and so unaware of what the politician they work for believes in. So unaware of what the politician they work for actually advocates. You have to be a level of ignorant that you sit there and you go, how did you get the job? Why would you get, if you don't, if you don't know what this guy stands for, why would you work for him? You can offer me a job working for Joe Biden the only reason I would consider taking it is because they might want to someday leak to the the uh, press. You know, and that would be it. I'd want to get insider information. I want to leak to the press. I want to expose the fraud that is the Biden administration. That is not what KJP is interested in. She's so historic. She's not. I don't know why she wanted the job. Unless she was like a year away from a government pension, which I don't think she's had any government service before, that, that'd be the only reason to take the job. Aside, if you don't know what the hell you're you're standing for, I wouldn't want to do it because I know what Joe Biden stands for. It's the antithesis of what I stand for. Theoretically, Karen Jean Pierre knew and said, "I agree with this, or a good chunk of this." Nobody agrees with everybody on everything or anybody with everything. But at some point, you'd go. At some, shouldn't you? I don't know. Have some kind of damn clue about what the hell you. Believe in you don't have to read it off a tell off of a page, shouldn't you? It almost seems impossible that through the repetition of reading that damn book every day, some of it wouldn't have sunk in. But every question, no matter what it is, she's seeing, hey, yesterday for the last seventeen days, I asked you this very same question. 
I'm going to ask it to me, and you're giving me the same answer every night. I'm going to ask it to you again. Without looking down, can you answer the question? And no, she can't. So when it comes to vaccines, shots, immune boosters, and booster shots, whatever you want to call what uh, Pfizer and Moderna are making billions off of, there's a new one. President Fauci last week, as we played for you, said, we don't have got time. We ain't got no time for no clinical trials. It's too important to get this out there. And don't worry, the previous versions worked well for human beings. And we only tweaked this a little bit, so I'm sure it's going to work just as swell. The Omicron B5 or whatever, I don't even know, B-flat, whatever the, the variant is now. And so the administration is now considering or telling people to go out and get this shot. But it's doing so in a curious way. And kudos to this reporter for pointing it out. Listen to this exchange. Thank you. Uh, You've been referring to this new shot as the updated COVID-19 vaccine. Can you explain a little bit more the decision to no longer be calling it just a booster? Well, we we have to remember, we haven't seen a a vaccine, a new vaccine since December uh, 2020. Uh, Our health and medical experts made an independent determination that we now have new updated vaccine, as you just said, to fight COVID. It is the first time that we have seen this type of updated vaccine, like I said, since December of 2020. And if you, and the message to folks that we are providing is if you're 12 or older, and it's been at least two months since you you last got a shot, you should get these new updated vaccines right away. That's the doctor's advice, and they made this decision independently. She's so god-awful at this job. She didn't answer the question. Why are you referring to it this way? If it's just a, why aren't you calling it a booster if it's, a, it's an updated vaccine? Um, instead, of, Is it a booster? What is it? What's going on here? No, 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 no. These are made by the experts. Who are these experts? Ron Klain? The chief of staff to the president? Is that the so-called expert? What the hell is going on? And she's reading every word for it, word for word. You can't just explain it in normal human terms. You have to read it in legalese. They weren't done. Surprisingly, every once in a while, a reporter will go, I can't polish this turd. What the hell are you talking? Can you please make some sense of that? And they try. God bless, and, and what is it? What is it that the Southerners say that, is an insult. Bless her heart. Bless Karine Jean-Pierre's heart. She's trying. She's trying. You kind of want to just pat her on the head and say, he's a good one. Here's a lollipop for you. The exchange continued. But you do still need to get the first original dose before you can get this shot. The FDA, the CDC, they're still referring to this as a booster. So I guess why the discrepancy are you concerned that may cause some confusion? Well, I'm not going to get into like regulatory language on what to call this. I'll leave that to uh, a booster or a vaccine. We'll just lay, I'm just laying out what the doctors and the expert uh, have recommended. Uh, this is, again, a new vaccine. We haven't seen uh, a new vaccine since December 2020. What this vaccine does, uh, it targets the Omicron variant, which is the dominant variant, not just here, but globally. Uh, and this is, uh, this is is good news. This is a step forward, and we're going to hear more from the president about this. Uh, but we think uh, this is, uh, again, a good step forward. We are in a place where uh, COVID is now manageable. We know what works. We know what keeps us safe. What keeps us from not getting sick is by getting vaccinated. And uh, right now, if you think about it, there's more than 200 million Americans uh, 
who are currently fully vaccinated. That's 77 percent of the population who are 12 and, and older. Uh, and so that's a that's an important uh, way forward that the president has worked very hard since stepping into the uh, administration to make sure that we had a comprehensive uh, vaccine, uh, you know, getting shots into arms operation. And this is part of that. What in the hell is she talking about? If you think about it, there are 200 million. Okay, and then what? What does that mean? She, if you think about it, there are two. I want to play that again just because there's so much gobbledygook. So much gobbledygook. Listen to her when she, she starts off seemingly to make a point and then doesn't. Because that's what she's looking down and she's reading a list of talking points. She's listening, reading a list from a list of bullet points and she picked the wrong one. She picked one that doesn't make any sense. If you think about it, there are now 200 million Americans who have been blah, 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 vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. Okay, if you think about it and then what? And it goes nowhere. It leads to nothing. It is a ultimate words. I don't know if Corinne Jean, I mean, look, Corinne Jean-Pierre doesn't strike me as particularly smart. In her past cable news appearances when she was the spokesperson for moveon.org, it really was appropriately referred to as moron.org. She's not a bright person. But you don't make that person White House press secretary unless you just want to sit around and pat yourself on the back going, so historic, so historic. That seems to be all that's at play here. It's all she brings to the table. Pay attention to what she says and see if you can make any sense out of it. Maybe we'll come up with a prize for anybody who can figure out what the hell Corinne, you know, the word word salad of the week with Corinne Jean-Pierre. Here's your first nominee. But you do still need to get the first original dose before you can get this shot. The FDA, the CDC, they're still referring to this as a booster. So I guess why the discrepancy are you concerned that may cause some confusion? Well, I'm not going to get into like regulatory language on what to call this. I'll leave that to uh, a booster or a vaccine. We'll just lay, I'm just laying out what the doctors and the expert uh, have recommended. Uh, this is, again, a new vaccine. We haven't seen uh, a new vaccine since December 2020. What this vaccine does, uh, it targets the Omicron variant, which is the dominant variant, not just here, but globally. Uh, and this is uh, this this is good news. This is a step forward, and we're going to hear more from the president about this. Uh, but we think uh, this is, uh, again, a good step forward. We are in a place where uh, COVID is now manageable. We know what works. We know what keeps us safe. What keeps us from not getting sick is by getting vaccinated. And uh, right now, if you think about it, there's more than 200 million Americans who are currently fully vaccinated. That's 77 percent of the population who are 12 and, and older. Uh, and so that's a that's an important uh, way forward that the president has worked very hard since stepping into the uh, administration to make sure that we had a comprehensive uh, vaccine, uh, you know, getting shots into arms operation. And this is part of that. Oh, that that's, uh, so that's an important way forward that the president has uh, stepped into this position. And what the hell are you talking about? Can you write that down? My eyes just crossed listening to it. I don't know what in the hell you're talking about. And it's pretty damn clear you don't understand what in the hell you're talking about either. My God. But she's historic, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry. She's wildly, wildly, wildly historic or something. But I don't understand. She's clearly in over her head. She clearly can't do the job. 
at some point, if your job was to make a complete ass out of yourself in front of the entire country, what, and you realized that that was your job now, and you're just basically being thrown out there so they can say, oh, she's, uh, she's so historic, she's so historic, she's so historic. Wouldn't you have some dignity and go, all right, I kind of wanted the job, I thought it would be cool, but I'm not good at the job, and now I just look like an idiot every day. I'm going to quit. They should pull me. It's like the pitcher who pulls himself out of a game because the arm is shot because the coach doesn't want to or whatever reason. She's just terrible. Terrible. Now I want to return to our uh, vice president, Kamala Harris. The anniversary, like I said at the beginning, Joe Biden gave a speech that... uh, uh, Remember 9-11. Don't forget that uh, we're in a fight for democracy. They wanted to get rid of our democracy. Osama bin Laden didn't give a damn about how you voted. Osama bin Laden cared that you exist in a way that he determined to be wrong. All of those people over there involved in this, that was it. Oh, he had sullied the Holy Land by having uh, troops in Saudi Arabia. This is why you should never try to appease these people at all. But the left just, no, no, no. I I remember there was a a girl lived in, uh, she didn't, now, she didn't live in my building. She lived in the building my friend used to live in. And I just moved to I just moved to Baltimore uh, June of 2021. And we were talking on Gchat and she her her initial reaction was what did we do? We deserved this. What do you expect when you live when you have this kind of foreign policy and all this kind of crap? It's the last time I ever had any exchanges with her. Um but uh it was so ridiculous. It was so absurd. Not surprising, but it was one of my first run-ins with a a real committed leftist, as they all became. She was like the fringe of the party back then. She's now the soul of the party now. People like her are the soul of the party now. Like, look at 9-11 and go, what What did we do? There were some back then. What did we do to deserve this? What did we do to provoke them? Why would they do such a thing? They killed themselves. No, they're evil. They're just evil. They're fanatical, lunatic, evil people. Evil, evil people. That sort of mentality, well, that's the mentality of the left, right? How many leftists would happily commit the ultimate sacrifice in order to advance their political agenda, be it physically or be it politically? Democrats, more than 60 of them, knew they were going to lose their jobs if they voted for Obamacare. It's ironic. This is what democracy looks like, crowd. Uh, looking at the people and saying, we know you don't want this, but I don't care. We're going to vote for it anyway. You're going to have to take it tough. This is what democracy looks It's not what democracy looks like. It's actually what representative republic looks like, but not democracy. And you getting thrown out is a consequence of it. It's just that there was... Uh, too many spineless Republicans to actually do anything about it, ultimately led by John McCain. So, um, yeah, anyway, back to the point at hand. 9-11, Joe Biden gives a speech. We need to fight for democracy, which is just a regurgitation of the ideas that he was spewing up in Philadelphia. Remember that Philadelphia speech, his uh, Nuremberg rally was supposed to be, you know, a, a defense of democracy. Instead, it was a blood-red tale, blood tale of vengeance and uh, inspiration of hatred. 
But they're sticking with that theme and they exploit anything. I mean, what do you expect from Joe Biden? Joe Biden, every chance he gets, exploits the death of his son, Bo. The only kid of his that he cared about. He exploits the death of his son, Bo. Oh, my son, Bo, he was a veteran. He came and he makes it sound like Bo Biden died in the war in Iraq when he didn't. He died of brain cancer. Tragic as it is, he died of brain cancer. It had nothing to do with his service in the military. But Joe Biden doesn't care. Joe Biden lies about everything. Why wouldn't he? he lied for years about his first wife and daughter's death in a car accident? He accused the driver of being a drunk, being a drunk driver, drunk drivingly crossing the median of the freeway and killing his wife and daughter. Oh my God, what a horrible, horrible thing that had happened to Joe Biden when in reality, there was no alcohol involved, and in fact, it may have been his wife who crossed the media. It doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter to Joe Biden. Truth doesn't matter to the party of Joe Biden. So listen to Kamala Harris and Chuck Todd as they represent the party of Joe Biden. Compare, and this is just, look, I get they're going to do it. They're gross people. This is what gross people do. But to do it on the day is a new level of disgusting, right? It's, it's one thing, like we said about the queen passing away. Oh, you know what? If you don't like the monarchy, if you didn't like Queen Elizabeth, if you did whatever, you just go, you know what? I'm going to lay low for a couple of days. I'll hold that. I'll chamber that opinion. And then I'll unleash it whenever the opportunity arises. But right now isn't the time. Jimmy Carter drops dead. I'm not going to go, God, Jimmy Carter sucked. God, he's, the world's better off that he's no longer president, and we're probably better off that he's no longer in it. I'm not going to do that. Do I believe he sucked as president? Absolutely, positively. But you know what? When he dies, I'm just going to say rest in peace. I might defend the truth against some leftists out there who try and place a halo on his head and give him some saintly wings uh, right away. But in general... I'm not going to attack the man personally. Will I ever again? Yes, of course I will. Because he will come up in conversations and people will need to be reminded that his presidency was an abject failure. But on the day he died, on the day he died, if I do, when you do it, you do it in a, a, a respectful way. Sad he died, but he wasn't a very good president. Let's not pretend that he was left can't control themselves they exploit they see an opportunity that's it period end of story they have no decorum they have no decency whatsoever and that was on display on meet the press look we're at the 21st um, marking if you will of the september 11th attacks yeah this was a foreign terrorist attacking our democracy yeah. attacking this country yeah. we're now as a nation battling a threat from within is the threat Mm. equal or greater than what we faced after 9-11? That's an interesting question. Um, I have held many elected offices as district attorney, attorney general, senator, now vice president, and there's an oath that we always take, which is to defend and uphold our Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We don't compare the two in the oath, but we know they both can exist and we must defend against it.
<laughs> First of all, you, you've held four elected offices. Not, not many, not tons, like too many to list. You've had four. All right, four. Second, Chuck Todd's question. 9-11 and January 6th. Uh, one person was killed on January 6th. 3,000 were killed on 9-11. They're exactly the, are they exactly the same or is January 6th worse? Oh, yeah. No, January 6th is totally worse. <laughs> Osama bin Laden wasn't attacking our democracy. He wasn't over there sitting there going in a cave in Afghanistan saying, what we really need is socialism in America. Or what we really need is uh, an, auto, an autonomous or an autocrat, a powerful single leader in the United Let's go get him. Let's go. No, that's not. He wanted to kill us because he wasn't. He, he didn't like the United States. He thought we were heathens. He thought we were an affront to Allah, period. End of story. He didn't like us being in Saudi Arabia. On January 6th, there were protesters. Chuck Todd. Somebody should treat Chuck Todd's house the way the Capitol was treated on January 6th. <laughs> Honestly. So was it was it as bad or was it worse? No room in there, Chucky, for uh, anybody to say it's not even close. The murder of 3,000 people versus the assassination of Ashley Babbitt. Not good, but eh, not morally equivalent. Nothing like that, Chuck. No room for that at all. And, of course, Kamala is too stupid that she starts reciting her resume because she's dumb. Did I mention she's dumb? My God, maybe her only job is to make Joe Biden look good by comparison. Just got a message over the Twitter machine from uh, a listener, Daniel. Says this might be why uh, Trump is in D.C. in golf clothes. And right there from his screen capture from his true social. Working today at Trump, Washington, D.C. on the Potomac River. What an incredible place. And there's a link to the Trump National Golf Course. So who knows? That's probably why the simplest explanation is usually the right one. But all these leftists out there are going to engage in uh, self-mutilation if that turns out to be the case. What? He's not going to be indicted today? That's not cool. Merrick Garland, why aren't you doing this thing? What's wrong with you, Merrick? Come on, man. You got to do it. Just give me one more fix. I need him. I love him. But remember... It's Trump fans who are obsessed with him, not the people who are peering through the bushes with the binoculars into the house hoping to catch a glimpse of him so they can, I don't know, hate fondle themselves or whatever it is these people do. Who the hell knows? I just love it. He's, he's a monster. He's a monster. He's, why do you keep saying it? Just shush. Hand me that paper towel. He's a monster. He's a monster. All right. Yeah, you guys are perfectly normal. And it's the MAGA crowd that's a threat to democracy. It's the MAGA crowd that is, you know, if you really just want to get into the uh, the abusive mindset, what do they always say? I wouldn't have to hit, the, the like O.J. Simpson, the mind of an abuser. I wouldn't have to hit you if you just obey. You made me hit you. I didn't want to hit you. You made me hit you. What is it the Democrats, I didn't want to sick the FBI on you. You made me sick the FBI on you. I had to. I had no choice. I had to sick the FBI on you. Why? Well, because you wouldn't obey. You wouldn't obey. Uh, yeah, I could have simply, you know, told your lawyers that you need to turn yourself in, and you would have simply turned yourself in. But 
you know, the way we treat Democrats, anybody, anytime a Democrat is charged. But, uh, no, you made the mistake of being a Republican, and that is, there are very few unforgivable sins in the minds of leftists, and the least forgivable one of all is being a Republican, being a conservative. <clears throat> and in the media, too. And so you get Chuck Todd sitting there going, well, you know, which is... Is 9-11 and January 6th, are they the same or is January 6th worse? Like, wow, Chuck, you realize you just you just dropped trow and took a dump on the graves of 3,000 Americans. Right there. You just deuced all over 3,000 Americans because you're sitting there going, which one is, uh, which one is worse, January 6th or nothing? Hmm. Sick people. Sick, sick people. Uh, by the way, then Chuck Todd went on to talk about the uh, Supreme Court in general. I love the way that leftists poll these things. They only cite polls when the polls actually you know, are uh, beneficial to them. Uh, American people hold... The... Now, I love this. The American people hold the Supreme Court in low esteem, the lowest in 20 years. And you go, 20 years? What the hell happened in 20 years? Well, they haven't really been polling it for 20 years. The last time they polled... The esteem in which the American public hold the Supreme Court was 20 years ago. You go, 20 years ago? Oh, that was the 2000 election. When it didn't go the way Democrats wanted, Democrats hated the Supreme Court. Yes, every time it go, doesn't go the way Democrats want, they hate the Supreme Court, period, end of story. That's just how Democrats work. It's their mentality. That's besides. That's what when you hear him talk about uh, twenty years ago, in twenty years, there's no time in the twenty years where this. Well, we didn't poll it because there's nothing that liberals really cared about in that time. Anyway, listen to Kamala. She goes, uh, "Well, I believe it's a, it's an activist court," and she just throws it out there. Now, this is the way that people who have a shorthand who agree with each other or the winking and not, that's how somebody would answer. And Chuck Todd just kind of goes. Well, um, what do you mean by that? And then here comes, and I'm really going to have to start something called the word salad of the week or something. Then comes Kamala trying to toss a word salad to try and make sense of it because she doesn't really know what an activist court means. We have some polling that shows confidence in the Supreme Court is at its lowest level that we've measured in over 20 years. Um, how much confidence do you have in the Supreme Court? I think this is an activist court. What does that mean? It means that we had an established right for almost half a century, which is the right of women to make decisions about their own body as an extension of what we have decided to be the privacy rights to which all people are entitled. And this court took that constitutional right away. And we are suffering as a nation because of it. That causes me great concern about the integrity of the court overall, especially as someone who my life was inspired by people like Thurgood Marshall, the work on that court of Earl Warren, to bring a unanimous court to pass Brown v. Board of Education. 
This is the court that once, on once sat Earl Warren and Thurgood Marshall. Sandra Day O'Connor. It's a very different court. So stupid. She's so damn stupid. If I just throw enough names out there, will you stop? And wait, will you, will you say something, Chuck? Like, how long do I have to pause for you to go uh, say something? This is this. It's 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 just an activist court because I I respect uh, buzzword buzzword, but Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, that's right. I respect the first black. I hate the second black guy, but I respect the hell out of the first black guy. Uh, and uh, Warren, too, and, and all this, that, and the other thing. And then she cites Brown versus Board of Education, saying, this we had this right for 50 years. Well, Brown versus Board of Education did what? It overturned Plessy v. Ferguson, which had been the law of the land for 58 years. Until Brown said, no, 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 Plessy was wrong. Get rid of... Now, is, is is Kamala arguing for precedent to last in perpetuity? No, I don't think she's smart enough to know what most of those words mean. But you got to love it. Oh, and for 50 years, okay, well, Plessy v. Ferguson stood for 58 years. Was the court wrong in 1954 to uh, in the Brown versus Board of Education case? I don't think so. But hey... You go ahead and you think whatever you want, Kamala. And you sit there and you go, why is this woman vice president? And you go, oh, yeah, that's right. She's historic. I, she's chosen for the job because she's historic. And uh, compared to Joe Biden, she makes Joe Biden, by comparison, look better. That seems to be what Joe Biden has surrounded himself with. Or at least his handlers have publicly. Let's put people who are worse than him out there. And that way he'll look better by proxy. Sad, but true. Pathetic, but all too real. We're out of time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Have yourself a wonderful day. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow. 